right, welcome everybody back to the PHLY Sixers podcast. We've got an off day flow podcast going here. How you doing, Kyle? I'm doing great, Derek. You know, that's coming off of the biggest L of LeBron James's career that I was there to witness. I've been witness to some moments in Sixers yeah. history and now a piece of uh, LeBron history. He passes Kareem for the all-time mm-hmm. minutes lead after passing him for the all-time scoring lead and then the Sixers handed him a biblical ass whooping. So that was yeah. good. And, you know, when I get to finish my recap early and they make our lives easier, we're always just a little bit happier coming into a show. I would it say that. always does eventually come back to how does that impact our <laughs> lives and our jobs. But, no, that was uh, a little bit surprising, especially when it came out, AD played, LeBron played. That was, for all of their warts, that is a good defensive team. And for the Sixers to drop – 138, I think the um, it was our highest offensive rating of the season. Shot the ever-living shit out of the ball. Obviously, that always helps. But they got whatever they wanted. Embiid got whatever he wanted. Tyrese Maxey, especially in the first half, when he had 20 in the first half, got whatever he wanted. And that's probably going to be a good chunk of our show here. You know, We are basically asking a very simple question. Is Tyrese Maxey, right now, the best teammate Joel Embiid has ever had? So I don't know about best teammate if we say it like that. It was phrased as the best partner is the actual question. I yeah. apologize for that. Yep. And, you know, Derek and I were discussing pre-show. I think it's an obvious yes at this point, which seems crazy to say, right? Because just came off of a year with James Harden, future Hall of Famer, top 75 guy, former mm-hmm. MVP, all that. Jimmy Butler, who had some playoff heroics and certainly has gone on to have more playoff heroics in Miami. You had the JJ and Seth Curry combination play off of DHOs that that was super impressive at its peak. And, you know, we're going to get to been a long time since we brought up his name, Ben Simmons at one point, not for the offense, but the other side of the ball. But watching Joel and Tyrese flow in and out of that two man game last night was just unbelievable and to be at this early stage of the season or less than a quarter of the way into the year and seeing Tyrese essentially just doing the old JJ offense that that was you know that was the first thing that we saw for Joel where it was like this is so intuitive and effortless and these guys just play so well off of one another and that was with a guy in JJ who basically couldn't dribble like could but is not really threatening anybody off the dribble and now you have Tyrese who has all the same shooting juice that JJ does which is wild to say by the way that's just an insane thing place to be at four years into Tyrese's career after I think probably our biggest complaint Derek his rookie season was man this guy just doesn't even shoot the ball enough let alone shoot the ball well so to end up in this place where (laughs) Joel's throwing through the legs passes to Tyrese since the in the dribble handoff game. And they're flowing from one action to the next action to the next action. And none of it is like, oh, we got to go back and design something. They, these guys are just playing. It's like they have a mind meld going on. And I just sat and thought about it overnight. And it's like, it, it seems pretty clear that this is the best partnership Joel has had. And I don't even know if it's close at this point. Yeah. And that's a a good point to distinguish because I phrase it as the best um, teammate he has had. The actual question is, is he the best partner Joel Embiid has had? 
You can certainly make arguments that James Harden, certainly in his prime, was a better player. That's not even a question. Yeah. But last year, James was a very good player. Jimmy Butler is is certainly the best two-way out of those players. Ben Simmons was the best defender out of those playoff or players. But in terms of partner and the way that their skills has complement each other and the way that they are able to make each other better and, and use their strengths to accentuate the other persons, it is really great to see. And I think it's, like you said, a pretty easy answer, which is pretty wild to say. I mean, just the fact that what you said there about him being as good of a shooter as J.J. Redick, and J.J. Redick it was an elite, elite, elite shooter. That was why that he was, was in the league. That was literally his whole reason right. for being in the league and on the six. Otherwise, he's sitting there as a poor defender with a negative wingspan. Like you said, he's not beating anyone off the dribble. There's just He was very limited in what he could do, but what he could do well was as good as anyone in the world. Tyrese Maxey has gotten to that point, and also he can average seven assists per game, and also he can get to the rim, um, and also he can shoot off of any set, whether it's a DHO, a screen, or a pick and roll. Um, yeah, I think he is the best partner Joel Embiid has ever had, and we're only talking, we're 17 games into them being a really a one-two punch. They should get much, much better. And for him, for us to be able to say that when Tyrese is 23, you know, only three years removed from not being able to shoot, uh, that is a wild, wild, wild thing to say. So I'm going to try to blow your mind a little bit here. Do you realize that right now where we sit, Tyrese Maxey is shooting more threes per game than J.J. Redick ever did in a season? And in his highest volume season, he shot a lower percentage than yeah. Tyrese is shooting right now? Like We're talking about a, a guy in Maxey who shot less than two threes a game and made 30% of them during his rookie year, right? Now here's another one, Jimmy Butler. I know, and we already have a couple people in chat pushing back on this just because Jimmy's playoff heroics obviously are, are not undersold right. here. And he I, was a, I don't think we would say that he is a better player than no. Jimmy right now. Yeah, just a better partner. If you had to guess, blind guess, how many points per game do you think Jimmy Butler scored in the 55 regular season games he played for the Sixers? 21 18.2 oh, okay. okay which is i that like kind of blew my mind a little bit that i was like i thought i know that he coasted a lot and yeah. jimmy's value was not so much uh, he's an all-world scorer as he's a connect the pieces and you know and he, the, he can play off ball do different things and I at get the very it. beginning like they wanted a lot of the offense to run through ben they didn't really change that until yes. the playoffs jimmy then had that month and a half where he sort of had a protest and refused to shoot because of it and like <laughs> oh there was weird stuff that year for sure jimmy is an interesting guy man so yeah all that's to say that regular season wise i don't think it's close now when we get to the playoffs eventually and I assume the bottom's not going to fall out and they miss the playoffs at some point. But, hey, you never know. Weirder things have happened to the Sixers specifically, I we'll suppose. We'll be here either way. Yeah, we will be here regardless. That's when all the two-way stuff comes up, right? So, like in Jimmy's case, a big part of why you might choose him in a debate like this is that not only was he able to develop the playoff pick-and-roll chemistry with Joel – He's at least a guy that can go out there and you can put on challenging assignments. Now, that did a fat lot of good against Kawhi in the Toronto series because yeah. it was basically either Ben had to defend Kawhi or they were absolutely cooked. But Tyrese has a long way to go to catch up to Jimmy and certainly Ben on the defensive end of the floor. I guess we'll have to talk about Ben at some point. To me, the big distinction is Tyrese is, I don't know, I would say equally good. 
but he's the only guy that Joel's ever played with that is both a high-level DHL and pick-and-roll player. Yeah. And both of those things have different utility to Joel and the team's offense. And so... And by the way, an elite off-ball shooter too, both yes. off of screens. And he's also been one of the, the best catch-and-shoot, like corner catch-and-shoot players in the entire league. Does he do that a lot? No, because he hasn't balled more now than he ever has. But to have that kind of versatility, that shot versatility, it is like there's never been anyone close on the team. It's yeah. ridiculous. Like you just, if you go through it. So, right, like last night, first half against the Lakers, we see Tyrese make several threes yep. off those handoff actions coming off a of movement. Those are great. We've seen all season, and so that's akin to the JJs, the Seths. They're that type of partnership Joel had. Then you look at all the pocket passes he's hitting Joel mm -hmm. with. That's the James Harden part of the partnership, the, the pick-and-roll chemistry that they were able to develop. And there's even a little bit of the – we saw some mid-range stuff from Tyrese last night. He talked about after the game, like, look, i got to take what the defense is giving me. That's probably more in the Jimmy wheelhouse. He's certainly not backing guys down and posting them like Jimmy would, but he just has like every single offensive skill you would want in a co-star or a partner for Joel Embiid. And so I don't know how you can conclude anything else unless it's off a cliff in the playoffs, which very well could happen. But for right now, I, I just think it, it, Tyrese has blown me away with how good he's been this year. Yeah, and even coming into the season, there was a sort of a narrative out there that Tyrese was better playing alongside of Harden because Harden would get those hit-ahead passes. Harden would allow him to play off-ball and, and maybe attack with a head of steam. Um, he hadn't really be, been forced to sort of initiate the entire offense right from the get-go, uh, and he has excelled in that in a way that is almost unimaginable. And when you start looking at his numbers, you know, 26 and 7 assists basically, uh, shooting I think he's still over 40-something percent from three. Uh, he has increased his usage rate and how much the team relies on him so much, and he's just gotten more efficient in doing so. It has been... Uh, and we're no longer at the point where you're talking small sample size. We're, we're getting up to a fifth of the season here. Uh, that is a really good sample that is indicative of growth and progress, and every year he's in the league, he just makes so much growth. It is absurd. It's independent of the question that we're asking here. It, all, it makes him such an easy kid to root for. Mm -hmm. Like he, the guy goes into the summer every single year, comes out a better player. We've seen certainly guys. Like how many people are going to go and work out with Joel Embiid and his trainer just so you can get better at pocket passes? Like that's not a thing that really happens in today's NBA. No, I mean the, the work ethic, I, I've said it several times on the show. Work ethic is one thing. Having work ethic in a way that actually shows you have an understanding of what you need to get better right. at is crazy. And Amulia brings up a, a great point that I wanted to get to in the comments that Embiid's growth as a playmaker and cutting turnovers down has been huge. Now, one of the big problems with, I shouldn't say problems, one of the issues with the, the JJ partnership in his early days is that Joel was a lot more mechanical in, in some of those mm -hmm. actions. Mm -hmm. And you, I would say there's probably a turnover or two per game where Joel or JJ would just throw the ball out of bounds and, you know, it was a just got to live with it. Young guy turnover, like young team, blame, fuck Brett Brown, like all that kind of stuff. But a lot of that was, you know, Joel was just not good enough yet. And so Joel's ascent as a player certainly makes a difference. Now, I, I think that would have made, if we're trying to stack each of these partnerships up against one another, 
that would have made the most difference with probably Jimmy specifically. I think if you had the Jimmy of then with the Joel of now, maybe this is a different discussion. But even then, I think then you're leaning more on the two-way value of Jimmy because Tyrese, to your point, Tyrese's off-ball movement and shooting ability just completely sets him apart from basically any of the other guys who could actually dribble the basketball. It does help. It does for sure. For <laughs> sure. If, if, if that, you know, Al Horford, Josh Richardson era told me anything that dribbling is a valuable skill set for sure. Um, but no, it, it's, it's like Jimmy was a great pick and roll player, but he didn't really want to like, he didn't have gravity shooting coming off of that screen. He didn't really leverage Embiid's size and threat in a way that Maxi does. Like Jimmy wanted to sort of draw the defender out, maybe get a switch if he needed to, um, you know, reject the screen if he thought he had an advantage and get all the way to the rim. And that was Jimmy's pick and roll game. He did not just, there's a, a synergistic component to Embiid and Maxi that he's never had, um, at least not in so many different ways. It's, I think, pretty easy. In terms of fit, yeah, I think this is the best fit he's had. I think the personality makes a difference too. Like, I, I would have liked to have seen him and Jimmy for longer and seen what yes, they could become. For sure. Because like, I think there was a fit, a very different personality, but a fit personality between them. Uh, but for reasons we don't need to relitigate, that was a short-lived. Well, I think Jimmy, the ass kicker, was good for Joel, right? Mm-hmm. Like a, the clip that always is burned in my brain is, I think it was in the Toronto series. Maybe it was the Brooklyn series where Joel's in the trail spot and Jimmy was mic'd up and Jimmy's yelling, shoot it, shoot yeah. it at him. And then he's running down the floor with Joel like, that's why you take that shot. And like that was a... Joel has said it at times, but there is a part of him that's like, oh, I don't want to be shooting threes, and he did it for the good of the team, and there was some not-so-veiled shooting at Ben Simmons w- with those quotes. But I think Jimmy was good for him in that way and helping Joel discover himself as like, a, you're the guy, man. Like You're the franchise, and you need to carry yourself as such. And now I think Joel has passed some of that along in the other direction to Tyrese, right, where – Tyrese has openly said, and Joel says it basically every press conference he does, Joel's always on him to shoot, to take more threes and do all of that. Yep. And it's he's become the, the big brother in the relationship. And so it's been cool to watch those guys go from, you know, Tyrese is kind of just the little kid taking a couple threes a game off the bench, and now he's the perimeter alpha next to Joel. And they have settled into this really awesome dynamic, both on and off the floor, that I think is lifting, I don't think, I know is lifting the rest of the team up. Yep, for sure. So before we get back to some more basketball discussion, I want to tell you guys about our wonderful sponsor at Pennsylvania Dairy Farmers and Team Chocolate Milk. Professional and college athletes have known about the power of chocolate milk as a refuel and recovery beverage for a long time. And chocolate milk provides high-quality protein for muscle repair, electrolytes for hydration, and calcium for strong bones. And that's why studies consistently show chocolate milk is an ideal sports recovery beverage. So whether you're recovering after a workout at the gym, a run around Boathouse Row, or a bike ride on the Schuylkill Trail, chocolate milk's an ideal post-workout beverage. And taking care of your body doesn't end when the clock hits zero on your workout routine. Give your body what it needs to properly recover. And what could be better than a scientifically proven recovery beverage made right here in Pennsylvania? It also tastes great. Learn more about how chocolate milk can help you refuel and recover after your next workout by visiting teamchocolatemilk.com. 
Also want to tell you about Hero Bread. Uh, I've long been on the lookout for a low-carb bread that allows me, to, allows me to hit my dietary needs while retaining all of the flavor. Recently, I've made the transition to Hero Bread as not only does it taste great, but they have a wide variety of offerings from sliced bread, tortillas, burger, and hot dog buns, and more delivered directly to your door. Enjoy all the taste great, all the... You can enjoy all the taste without the guilt. The bread is fluffy, delicious, and flavorful, high in fiber and low on net carbs, with fewer calories than the leading national brand and 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. And you can either place a one-off order or set up a subscription. So you can get Hero Bread delivered directly to your door every two weeks, every month, or whatever you need to make sure you're stocked up and ready to go. Right now, Hero Bread is offering the PHLY fam 10% off their first order. Just go to Hero.co and use code PHLY to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot C-O to save 10% today. By the With, way, uh, we have the dude in the chat saying that he can't believe it. Kyle got a hoodie. He's so proud of me. I'm actually wearing the, like, where has Kyle been starter pack today? So the sweatshirt <laughs> is from... Chincoteague down in Virginia, yep, a really nice sure. place with good beaches, a lot of horses. And then the, the hat is from St. John in the U.S. Virgin Islands, which highly recommended if you guys can ever get down there. It is a little bit of a, it's a tricky trip in some ways. You have to fly into St. Thomas and then there are no, there's no airport at St. John. So it's either a ferry yep. or you got to swim there, which I, I would never attempt that. I'm, I'd probably drown in 10 minutes, but yeah, so I don't know. See, if I'm kind of like other... I'm sort of like the inverse of you. I go down to Ocean City, Maryland a lot, so we go to more to Assateague Island. Okay. Uh, and when I went to the Virgin Islands, I went to St. Thomas. So like same place, but just slightly different because we can't be the same because you're wrong. Well, St. Thomas, I have to go to to go to St. John's. That's so true. technically, That's I've true. been to St. I've Thomas. Not, yeah, so um, I highly recommend getting to St. John. It's because it's more remote that makes it. You know, see, when I went down there, I went to Tor- uh, Tortola. Tortola. Oh, yeah, Tor- Tortola. Yeah, Tortola. Yeah, yeah. I've never been, but I've heard it's beautiful. Um, All those islands are, you know. Yeah, it's it's. Anyway, what what was the Howie between the quarterbacks, pepperoni or sausage? Like, what was his comparison between? Wentz I don't. And, I'm not sure what. You're anyway, that's not to. the. Don't, you don't want to bring up a Carson Wentz thing anyway. I get it. I get it. Uh, I did look it up while you were doing the ad read. With yesterday's game, uh, Tyrese Maxey has surpassed his total from last year on dribble handoffs. He has scored 72 points this year off DHOs. Last year, he scored 68. To do that in. Uh, you know, how many games has uh, have those two played together? And Bede missed one, so at like 16 games. Wild stuff. Wild stuff. It's crazy. And so that brings up a point that uh, Dave said in the chat, which is don't undersell the impact Nurse has on young players. I wouldn't even say young players. I'd just say Nurse's impact, period. I think the style of play certainly has been bought into by all the guys on the team. Joel, probably first and foremost with... You know, we're coming off of a, a double-digit assist game for Joel, and that's coming off of a week where Joel had nine assists in two other games. So I, I just – I certainly think you see Nurse's imprint in how Tyrese is playing and how Joel is playing, and it does make you wonder how some of these other partnerships might have looked if better coaches were in place. Now, I think in Harden's case, he kind of just – he is who he is, right? Yeah. I, I don't think that would have looked much different. Uh, but what does the Jimmy partnership look like under Nurse and with a better Joel Embiid and maybe more flexibility in the offense rather than this is what we run up until the playoffs and then, hey, Jimmy, here's the ball and do some pick and rolls. So not to relitigate any of the 
the Brett Brown debates that were had, you know, five years ago or so. so I don't, at this I don't point, necessarily but. think that was so much Brett's philosophy as it was trying to keep both of them happy in yeah. Ben Simmons. So that was a difficult needle to thread. Uh, and they were not picking. Anyway, we don't need to relitigate the end of that. You're right. Well, um, we definitely could, but no, no <laughs> real reason to, I suppose. That's what off seasons are for, Kyle. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really, really strong. And it's getting stronger every day. Uh, and he is, his growth. Honestly, the only other player I've seen grow at this rate was Joel. Like, Joel coming in the league, and he was just a tall, lanky defender with no idea what to do, and the path that he was on was so quick. Tyrese obviously doesn't have the kind of physical gifts that Joel has, but the skill development has been right there. And it's just after covering this team for the first six or so years where you didn't have anyone who could dribble and shoot, to have him grow the way he is to the point where he is as good of a shooter as there is in the league, as diverse of a shooter as there is in the league, along with his speed and, and creation... Uh, it was the one partnership you really need. And we can sit here and debate whether or not he's the best overall teammate Joel Embiid has had, but for that to have the, the kind of archetype of the partner that Joel Embiid needs, I think is real key. Like he's just, we've always been trying to fit a square peg into a round hole the entire time of his career. Harden was as close as you got to before this point. But Harden was indifferent at various aspects of basketball and also on the like decline. moving off the ball <laughs> moving off ball defending all of that stuff um tyrese has no such limitation and he's only going to get better and if we can sit here and say all right joel Embiid has maybe two years left of his peak peak mvp level form or three years or four years we can debate that it doesn't matter tyrese should be getting better the entirety of that peak uh and for him to be at this level it, it really just blows my mind it, like if you had told me a year ago a year and a half ago as good as tyrese was and as much as you were excited about him that he would get to this point you have said no way that's an edge case level outlier level development and he has reached that well think about last season mid-year when we got fed the lie that tyrese advocated to come off the bench and the whole idea was hey the starting five's looking good tyrese can be the bench captain and all that those lineups were drowning. Like yeah. the idea that Tyrese could prop up lineups by himself was pure fiction at that point. And now we're at a point where the lineups with Joel have needed more help. Cause, and it's like, well, Tyrese's group is basically kicking ass every time they're on the floor. I actually don't think that's true anymore. So good. I think the Joel lineups have actually caught back up. Well, now they have, but I'm saying for the first month yeah, or yeah. whatever of the season, that was kind of the, now some of that also, Nick has been tinkering with the rotations, right? Against Oklahoma City, there was more Tobias minutes with Joel. Last night, Tyrese was playing the end of the first and third quarters with Joel, which I'm a little worried about what that's going to do to Tyrese's workload. But, yeah, it's just – and to your point about growth, Derek, you were saying the only – Maxi without a bead right now is a plus 7.1. That's We insane. have never seen that in, like, the history of this team. It's insane. I think the, the Simmons and Horford lineups were maybe, like, a plus 6 or somewhere in that range. So for this to be better and, like, the rest of his bench group isn't exactly super strong. No. Uh, for him to be propping that up is wild. So your point about he's the only other guy comparable in terms of growth, Derek, you said was Joel, which is absolutely correct. I think to me – and not to underplay the amount of growth Joel's gone to become an MVP of the league, back-to-back -back scoring champion, all that stuff. But with Joel drafting him, the whole idea was like, this guy has grown rapidly, has like just picked up the sport. And so in your head, you're already, you're building into the case to draft him. All right, this guy's got significant upside and he's got the athletic tools. He's got this, he's got some natural feel and skill but there's so much more room for him to go. With Tyrese, it was like, 
he's a very good college player and was a guy that fell and we weren't expecting that. But this level of growth is yeah. absolutely preposterous. Like nothing that any of us could have planned yeah. for. I don't even think Tyrese in his heart of hearts would have been able to tell you like, oh yeah, in, in three seasons, I'm going to go from <laughs> not shooting and not shooting well to one of the single best shooters in the entire NBA. Well, even beyond that, if you would ask the Sixers when they drafted him, if they would have saw that, no, there's no way they would have seen that because if they did, they would have tried to trade up to make sure that they got Of course. Him. Like, there's no way they would have let that the chance. Um, it's just a great all-around. It's, it's um, where was I going to go before you got into that? I had somewhere. It doesn't matter. It's out. It's gone. Go on. Maybe you should stop typing over there. I haven't, I think effort. I've been typing for at least um, a couple minutes. <laughs> I will say this too, having just watched the oh, the Clippers. This, oh, well, here I don't want to ruin no, your ahead, train of thought. Having oh, just no. watched the Clippers, it actually relates to what you're about to disaster say. Yeah, yeah. last night against the Nuggets, where James Harden is doing whatever the hell he's doing, and that team is completely falling apart. I think we probably are giving Tyrese a little bit of bonus credit for just being a positive vibe shift after that black cloud moved out from over top of the franchise, but. I mean, all credit due to Tyrese for taking advantage of this opportunity and, frankly, every single opportunity he's been given. How much time do we spend this preseason saying, like, if you have to hold on to Harden until the deadline, then you have to hold on to Harden until the deadline to get make sure you got what you want. How different would that conversation that we're having right now be if they had done that? Like, if James Harden was here pouting, playing shitty basketball, Well, Max the show every day ball. would be you and I looking at each other saying, get this dude the hell out but of town. But you also would have no idea what Max could do full-time alongside Embiid. No idea how much that relationship and that chemistry could go grow. And you would have less of idea of what you need to acquire in February, even if you would, could have gotten another first-round draft pick out of it. Having the Tyrese have the extra four months to run the show is worth that extra draft pick just to have that clarity of what you need. It was such a, a fortuitous thing for the Sixers to be able to get this done now rather than try to extract every single last asset they could have that would not have been better. How much of the Clippers have you actually watched since Harden was traded there? Too much, but not all of it. <laughs> I just, I'm really struck by just how shitty that whole thing looks. And like, look, we can sit here with sour grapes and be like, yeah, well, that's why Daryl didn't want to give him this money and you know, the smart move by the Sixers, all that kind of stuff. I would be lying if I was sitting here telling you like, oh, I was expecting it to be this bad. Like they have enough talent that they should be better than this. And it has not worked whatsoever. Well, I mean, James is throwing some of the worst passes I've ever seen from a guy who led the league in assists most of the last season, basically almost wire to wire last season. Kawhi looks, I don't want to say cooked, but physically does not look great, great and is yeah. doing a lot of the same things he's done historically and not able to get to his spots as easy, missing shots. Paul George has been, I would say, the best of the group, and he scored six points <laughs> against the Nuggets without Jokic, without Gordon, without Jamal Murray. So, I mean... Just a, a mind-boggling dumpster fire in Los Angeles. Well, and it's still like, and Carlo brings up a good point in the chat. And he uh, says that basically I can't believe that that uh, Maury got the return that he got for Harden in the trade. 
Best two moves. If of, it looked good at the time, it looks considerably better now. Best two moves of Maury's summer: not signing James Harden to the contract that it would have taken to, to not piss off James Harden, and then getting the trade package that they did for James Harden. Both of those are just. Uh, can you imagine if Harden opting in? Lifesaver for the Sixers, absolute lifeline. Like that, just changed the franchise. Thank yeah, you, thank Darryl you, James. Morey not caring about the personal okay. dynamic with Harden ended up saving the franchise. We spent we so guessed. much time, and we, we weren't podcasting together at the time, but we talked a lot. And certainly, Rich and I on the show talked, so, spent so much time terrified of that Harden contract. And every time you tune into an LA Clippers game right now, you're thankful that they didn't give them the contract that we were all fearful of. Can you imagine? I'm like trying to picture a world where instead of this, they had given Harden like four years, four 120, for, yeah, yeah. thirty oh million dollars a year for the next four years. And, and honestly, that was probably the, on the low end of what it would have taken. Oh my god! I mean, look, at the time, I probably would have sat here and said, "Look, it's less than what Harden wanted. He technically has taken another discount, and he's saying all the right things. He really wants to win a title at the end of the year." And now that we're kind of free from the, the Harden experience. It's like, even if it ends up ending in the same place in the second round where they just don't have enough or Joel melts down or whatever it is, we don't have to pretend that the slow, just like, oh my God, these 20 seconds of every shot clock <laughs> style of play is something that is ideally what I would like to watch on a night-to-night -night basis. Well, if they do lose in the second round, where would you go to get those tickets? Derek, you know, that's a great question. It's the same place I've been going to get tickets since the minute that we started the show. <laughs> it's the Game Time app because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. And the Game Time app is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the events that you might want to attend. Look, guys, when the Sixers are good enough that they can hand LeBron James his biggest defeat in his career, there are going to be some hot tickets for this team in the months ahead. Certainly the 10 and one Eagles go birds, big games coming up still. They have a big one against San Francisco that I know everyone is waiting for. And if you're looking for a last minute ticket deal on any of this type of stuff, game time is the place to go. You don't have to plan months in advance because game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. You find tickets in the same section in a row for less. Game time will credit you 110% of the difference, as I say, each and every time. I think that's incredible. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY. $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Look at that synergy there, Derek, on the setup for the, uh, as Puppas points out, flawless setup on the, the ad read. Way to go. It's yeah, almost I've, like we're professional podcasters who do this five days a week. Well, of course, you, you set it up with the um, hypothetical of the, even if the Sixers lose in the second round. So maybe like having a negative connotation to the beginning of the ad read wasn't perfect, uh, oh, but at least we flowed right into it. Yeah. Come on. No, Listen, it's it's good just vibes wild. all around. No, no vibe killing. And today. on the one hand, I don't know if I should give Daryl credit for not giving him the extension that we're all fearful of, because I do believe he would have offered him a contract that I probably wouldn't have liked if Harden would have opted out and come back to the table. So like he gets, he certainly gets credit for not making a mistake. I just wonder if he would have made a mistake after that. But 
doesn't matter because it ended up working out. I mean, like 50% of the job as an executive, if not more, is not screwing up. What like, was the, the Michael Rubin? Uh, part of my job is to not do stupid or not let stupid shit happen. I mean, look, it, it sounds and he was dumb, he, he, he was saying that in the context of letting Harden walk or get to the point where he demanded a trade was a stupid shit. No, no, no. Signing him to the contract was a stupid shit. I still just get a kick out of Michael Rubin doing... You remember when Mark Wahlberg basically said, if I was in one of the planes on 9-11, I would have stopped it. That was like Michael Rubin with James Harden. Yes. That was quite an insane... Just like, what would you have done giving him money? Okay, well, then you didn't actually help anything. Uh, Derek, you probably have to get off of the, the Harden and the, the Maxi stuff for a bit. I believe you have an update for us on sure. Kelly Oubre from practice today. You know, that's the uh, the fun part of the Nick Nurse experience for everyone else. You get more information. The worst part for us is that there's practice after Dude, every he's game. practice every day. <laughs> I'm not used to We this. don't get as many load management days as we did under Doc Rivers. <laughs> no, but we don't. It's good access, but it's we're working harder this year for you guys. Yeah, no, Doc, Doc liked his off days. He liked his he off liked days. He liked his golf. And I don't even know if they had fewer practices because they would have like team meetings that you didn't technically have to have practice or media availability afterwards. Maybe Mick, Nick just doesn't, we don't annoy him enough yet. And so he talks to us. I don't know. We'll, we'll get see. there. We'll, anyway, uh, Kelly went through portions of uh, contact drills today. He wasn't a full participant in practice, um, but I think Nick Nurse phrased that in a way where he was mostly saying he, he just wanted to get Kelly some cardio in because there's still that ramp up part. Back to that, uh, he felt he said he felt like he could have gone through full practice, all the contact drills. He is going to go on the road trip, this little two-game road trip. He is not going to play uh, tomorrow in New Orleans, but he hasn't ruled out the chance that Kelly might play uh, in Boston on Friday. Uh, so the fact that he is going, and I think there's a little bit of they want to see how he responds to because today was the first day he did contract drill contact drills at practice. So what would a contract see. drill look like? Is that <laughs> yeah. like signing a contract over and over? Like a quick signature. Look, quick. Again, you can't expect me to be able to talk. All right. <laughs> um, but they want to see how he responds to that and how his body responds to that. And also want to see where he is conditioning wise. So there's still, it's not certain that he will play on this road trip, but he's with the team and there's a chance that he would. Okay. So I want to do a, a temperature check with you since we're seemingly much closer to Kelly being back in the rotation or just available to play at the very least. Do we think that Batum is now just entrenched starter? Yeah. 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 I, I agree. I, I think, and I know it was a 40 point blowout. So everybody looked great last night. It's like saying that legitimately, I don't think I could pick one person who didn't have a good game. I mean, Mo Bamba came in and yeah. killed the Lakers backup. So he's the guy I think we've probably killed wholeheartedly the most this year. And he looked great. I mean, look, Pat Bev and Marcus Morris, great shooting nights. And no, when when you knew that game was over was when Pat Bev came out and drilled three threes in the second uh, quarter. It's, I, like, it's, done. Was, yeah, it's done. There's no way to beat that team if, if Pat Bev is consistently making threes. But so Batum makes a couple of threes and scored 10 points last night, obviously. To me, it's the speed at which he makes decisions that makes him such an important player for this team, right? Like we're used to, and Tobias has been better at this this year, but we're used to the Tobias level read making on the floor where it's catch, think, move. With Nick, it's the ball yeah. hits his hands and he already knows the decision that he's making. 
whether that's rising into a shot release, whether that's a quick swing pass to somebody. It's just the decisiveness that sets him apart from a lot of the other role players that they've had here. And I think that's, I mean, this is going to be borne out over a longer period of time, but I think it's why the lineups with him on the floor are all posting, you know, positive numbers, if I had to guess, because he's just a, both a floor raiser and a potential ceiling raiser for this team. Yeah. No, I mean, he's, he's, uh, you're certainly not looking at him going like, wow, those stats are, you know, completely shocking me. Like he's scoring seven points, a couple of assists, shooting well from the perimeter, but you're right. It's a decisiveness. It is the mostly correct decision. Not always. Like he had a couple of that inbounds pass, um, was With against the Cavs. Yeah. <laughs> Cavs or was it the Wolves? The Wolves. Cause yeah. you and I were sitting in the studio together, like. What the hell was that? <laughs> but you're right. Like comparing it to someone like Tobias, who even when he's great, like there's a jab step mixed in there. There's, um, you know, a couple of dribbles that he then has to kick out and reset the shot clock. There's no resetting when when Batum is in there. He goes to the next sp- station. That might be a pull-up jump shot. That might be an entry pass to Embiid. That might be swinging it to the corner. It's just all quick and decisive. It is, and he's competent on both ends. Like he's not going to blow you away with anything really um, outside of maybe post-entry passing, but that's because we've had the collection, the worst collection of post-entry passers in the history of the NBA. Uh, but he's he's just solid all around. And it really is, um, I mean, they've needed a player like him for Joel's entire career. Um, you hope he has enough left in tank to be a, contri- a contributor on the uh, playoffs. And you hope that the Sixers are able to find a trade, a way to construct the next trade where he's not involved in it. So I beat you to it on the cleaning the yeah, glass was- numbers. <laughs> While you were in your, I was looking up, and then you pass it over to me. And yeah, uh, all right. Okay. Overall, the Sixers are eighteen point three points better than their opponent per one hundred possessions with Batum on the floor. Mm -hmm. That is in the ninety ninth percentile for the NBA. The starting lineup of Maxi Melton, Harris, Batum, and Bead is twenty three point eight points better than their opponent. That, I mean, those are those are the elite numbers that you need from starting way, lineups to be able to be a contender. That's with the other team shooting 50% on mid-range jumpers during that time, shooting 37% on threes. So that's with the opponent shooting better than league average and probably unsustainably hot. They're still a plus 18 in those minutes. Because the offense has been just like yeah. absolutely outrageously good. And... Look, I certainly the first two guys we talked about today, Maxi and Embiid, are the most important parts there. But you can't undersell the value of a glue piece like Batum, who makes everybody better by just making the reads quicker. I mean, look, to go back to the Clippers, you can see that they miss guys like that. Like you look at how they're playing, and like Kawhi goes and scores 31 against Denver last night. But it's just all ISO, all Kawhi bleeding the clock, all James Harden running the clock down when he's got it and being forced into a stupid play with you know four seconds on the clock because he's got no options. And then you look at how the Sixers are playing with speed, with purpose, and a lot of that is Nurse. A lot of that is Joel and Tyrese receiving Nurse's message on how he wants to play. But the adding guys like Batum who make decisions quickly – is a big deal as well. Yeah, you can't you can't have your role players be record scratchers. You just can't do it. Um, defenses are too good. They recover too quickly. Uh, it allows you to double team more freely. It is just you need that, whether it's a shooting, whether it's a ball movement, you need that to happen quickly and precisely. 
Batum is a type that fits on every team in a league, but he certainly fits next to a player like Embiid. And now we say all that. I, I am excited to see Kelly back in the lineup. That's a sentence I didn't think I'd be saying in the offseason because I do think they need a bit of secondary shot creation with the bench groups. And mm-hmm. I think having him come in and being like the sixth or seventh man in the rotation is a real luxury for this team that's playing well without him. When they're at full strength, they've looked generally very good on a night-to-night basis. And you add in Kelly in there where he shot well this season. He's been bought in on defense. He brings more of a defensive edge to lineups that have needed that at times. And late in the clock, if you're in trouble, in a pinch, he can go get a shot for himself. So I'm not praising Batum to be like, yeah, Kelly deserves to be you know tossed aside and put on the bench. I think it might end up being best for everyone. Like Kelly's going to have more freedom to go and you know do some more stuff, although there could be some downside with that, certainly. But I, I just think it's it's scary to think they can get even better by adding another role player that's been out for a few weeks, but really seems like he'll make them a more complete team overall. Yeah, and look, it is like right from the moment that he was promoted to the starting lineup, Nick Nurse said, yeah, this is probably temporary. Like, I think the design was always for him to go back to the bench. I think he will take it fine. I don't think it's so much a... You know, he had this injury and now he's being demoted. I think this was probably the plan all along. And Batum was just getting acclimated with the team. Uh, He had that period where he had to take some games off two stints away for personal reasons. Uh, I think think this should be a pretty easy, uh, seamless transition. Now, you do always get to the point where a lot of these guys are playing for the next contract, so they might be worried about opportunities. It's tough to buy in if you don't feel like you're getting a chance to prove yourself and establish yourself. But I think Kelly's in a a pretty good spot in that regard. Yeah, I think everything that he said, and I'm sure messaging from his agent, people around him, I think he understands that... If he wants his next contract, he has to fit in. He has to buy into being a role player. Yeah, and the book on him up to this point has been talented guy. Obviously, you can't... As much as it's like somebody's got to score, not a lot of guys that can score 20 points in a season, even on bad efficiency right so nobody doubts that kelly has talent the doubt has been can this guy buy in can this guy be part of a successful good team all that and i think kelly understands that everything he has said to us and in public and certainly from what i gather amongst his teammates and to the coaching staff is that he wants to be about the right things that I think he even said it on a video the Sixers put out the other day. Like, I don't, I, I don't want people to think about me as the guy that I've been. I want every single season to be, I can reinvent myself. I can get better. I can be a different person, a different player, depending on what the team needs. So I think his mentality, that's shown up. Like, that could easily be idle chatter, right? Like a guy on a one-year deal, minimum contract is going to say whatever he has to say. But I think because that's been reflected in how he has played this year when he's been healthy, that I believe that, that I believe when you put him in that bench sixth man scorer creator type role, that he's going to embrace that and and thrive in that role. Yeah. He he earned benefit of doubt with how he played in preseason in the first month of the season. I would say that. Yep. I think the last time you really scratched your head was when he made that comment uh, at training camp. What was his? It wasn't I'm not here to fit in. I'm here to yeah, stand yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. It sounded very much system adjacent. And I, I loved it. It was hilarious. But, but yeah, that ever was a bit since of a, then, huh. he has been almost like he knows what his role is. He knows what will get him 
on the court. Uh, and I think the fact that he doesn't have guaranteed playing time, so to speak, has I think he has taken that, taken the the lesson the right way and used that to channel into a better version of Kelly Oubre so far. For sure. And I just I love seeing stories like that too, right? Like you and I certainly had our perception of Kelly when they signed him and coming into the season and seeing guys having the the clarity this I mean he's been in the league for quite a while now to come into a season and be like I need to you know find myself and and prove some people wrong like it's it's good to see guys do that as you know Brett used to say the goal is that they bring in guys on the cheaper deals and that they become too expensive to keep moving forward that this this is a program where that can happen and no credit to Nick and the staff and certainly most of the credit to Kelly for having the season that he's had prior to the uh, the injuries. For sure. Yep. I agree. All right. Uh, we will get into the last segment. Also, if you have any questions, drop in the chat. We don't get a chance to really do too many uh, chat questions on post-game shows. This is an off day, so we'll try to get to some. If you have them, drop them in there. For that, a quick word from FOCO. Uh, FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. With it being football and tailgating season, means that overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, and bags, everything you need for a game, FOCO has. And FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-preset items, use the promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. Yeah, look, I'm 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 exceptionally surprised by a lot of things that have happened so far this year, and I think some people probably look at us and be like, "Well, you you said this, you said that." I'm happy being wrong, especially when it makes the team more entertaining to cover and talk about, which we do a lot. And for Maxi to come out here, and I think we're all optimistic on Maxi for sure, but for him to, to show so much more ability to run the team and succeed in every way offensively. For Ubre to come out and be a key piece that they needed, for Batum to come out and 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 fit a role that they need, for the trade to have worked out to not be covering James Harden, it's, it's I'm I'm very happy the way all of this has worked out because it's made this job so much easier. It's made fans so much more excited. I like it when the fans are excited, uh, and I think it gives them real equity in terms of maybe not being a contender right now because I still feel like they're a piece away, but they're. That it's just there's so much more clarity around this team and what they need, and you should get even more clarity over the next couple of months as you get to watch uh, Tyrese Maxey evolve. Um, and last night was maybe the best representation of all of that that we've seen, where all the pieces just fit, where Embiid and Maxey specifically just fit, and where you really, really saw the upside that Tyrese Maxey has. Yeah. Well, and a couple of Tyrese things. I know I brought one of these up in my hit on last night's post game show, which if you guys didn't watch, Derek and Rich. It's still available on our YouTube channel for you to circle back on at some point. Uh, we don't Nick, delete those. We really should delete any. Uh, you never watch an old show. Just delete them. I'm sure every take I have is always wrong. That's one of the worst takes you've had. <laughs> that's worse than any of your other bad takes. But so Nick came out after the game last night and said that Tyrese had actually come to him prior to the game and said, no, Nick, I got to be more aggressive early, that that's been a problem for him and them Thank early you. in games. And you say that Nick straight up said at the podium, he said, shit, I only tell you that every single day. And so I know we have personally talked about this on the show a lot. It's good to see 
independent of the coaching staff and, and anybody else, Tyrese coming to the con- conclusion like, hey, I got to get rolling in, in the first quarter, right? Like that's there's no reason for me like, yes, you have to do point guard things and you have to get shooters going and you have to prioritize other things. But also you're one of the two best players on the team and the most dangerous perimeter player they have offensively. Go and get to it and take those shots if they're there. So that was important thing number one. Important thing number two, and I do see a LeBron mention in the chat, so probably a good time to bring this up. Tyrese was asked about, you know, LeBron's work ethic and, you know, being Mm -hmm. around him in the offseason. And Tyrese shared a story where he said, I told LeBron I was going to be in, I start my workouts at 6 a.m., and I got there, and LeBron had been there since 5.30. And so then Tyrese said, oh, I'm going to come in at 5.30. And Tyrese gets there at 5.30 for a workout. 5.30 in the morning, by the way. This is not evening. 5.30 in the morning, Tyrese shows up. He says, LeBron's already been there since 5. And then I believe, I might be butchering it at this point, but it effectively said he showed up as early as he could one day. And LeBron had already gotten a pre-workout lift in. And that's when Tyrese threw up his hands and was like, you got it, OG. Like, I, I lift <laughs> after my practices, after my workouts. But I, I think it's been very important on top of, like, everything Tyrese has done on his own. It's important that Tyrese sees an example like that and responds to it. And it, his response is like, that's what it has taken for LeBron to be this good for this long. And I'm going to try to do that stuff too. Like for Tyrese to say, oh, he, he beat me by a half hour to the gym. Now I got to be there even earlier the next day. And even like being, being competitive in a workout perspective, think of how maniacal you have to be and how that translates to on court stuff. And so that was, it's a very small window into who Tyrese is and who LeBron is, quite frankly. But I thought that was a really cool thing that came out of that post-game presser yep. that uh, it's it's a reason that I respect LeBron quite a damn bit this deep into his career and certainly another reason to believe in Tyrese moving forward. Yeah. Sounds a little Jimmy Butler adjacent, but that was always one thing. Th- he didn't bring it up on his own. It right. was a, a thing that he was getting peppered about. And that was one thing with reporters. Jimmy. Jimmy might have been a little performative at times, but he also it was also true. Like he was oh. he was legitimately working that hard. Yeah, I mean, always in peak physical condition, and certainly didn't take all the shots we wanted them to, but worked on all the shots that he did. Yeah. So. Yep. Um. What was I? Another thing I was going to bring up, and then you went on the show. You're losing a lot of. It's twice in one show. It doesn't matter. We do have a question from Viking. If you want to go for it, uh, Viking biking and hiking. That's I love, love the name. <laughs> I by like the all way. of that. Yeah. Asked is Ty Lu the new Doc Rivers got a championship with LeBron, but since then his reputation seems to be better than the results would indicate. I mean, I think in form in prior years, a lot of their problems came down to health. So it's hard for me to really ding the coach too much for that. I think this is the first time they've really been had all of them healthy. Uh, but I do think integrating Harden is tough. It, it's tough in part because he's such a massive piece to an offense, and it's tough because a lot of those pieces don't fit. Um, and Harden fitting next to Kawhi, fitting next to Westbrook, like I don't think that's a very natural group at all. Yeah, uh, I think Paul George is the only one that can really fit along with multiple of their stars, and that's why Paul George has probably been their most consistent player. That and the fact that he looks the best physically. 
Um, I'm not going to say that. I like Ty a little bit, but there's certainly... Uh, look, he's going to be another huge microscope this year. And quite frankly, if it doesn't work out, um, I mean, we always say it, coach is the easiest thing to change. And I don't know what his contract status is like, uh, but there's a lot of pressure for an owner, ownership group that or an owner that wants to have a contending team going into their new arena. There's a lot of pressure to get that right when they're about to give out massive contracts. I think it's one that I'm not as comfortable assessing as someone who doesn't watch them every single day. Cause like I would say my big picture perspective on Ty Lue is in the playoffs, he does the things that people wanted doc to do, right? Like he'll just throw screwball stuff out there or like something's not working and Hey, we're going to play Batum at the five and we'll spread out the jazz and we'll fucking destroy Rudy Gobert in a way that like he got memed and eventually traded because of, how poorly he looked in some playoff moments because of that. And that's a thing that Doc would not do. But then I say that, and like, for example, I watched last night's game against the Nuggets, and Zubats has a really good game, had like 20-something points, and the Nuggets' best available big man is DeAndre Jordan, and they effectively played Jordan off the floor by doing hack a DeAndre late in the game, which what a throwback that was to the uh, – the days where Hacka guy was way too prominent in the league. And then Ty still chose to go with remember, a remember, smaller lineup that failed miserably to stop the, the Nuggets. Remember Ben shooting like 34th free throws or something against, against the, Wizards? the Wizards? That yeah. was an awful game to be at. Awful, that awful, was awful. a. I have said the word terrorism on the <laughs> show before, but that was a terroristic act by Scott Brooks making us watch that. We have not- the point being, I think Ty certainly has his problems that are doc-ish, but I believe in him more as a playoff level adjuster. We have a question from the dude. He says he really wants OG on the team, but he loves the fact that they didn't go for another super team. I don't think OG qualifies as a super team. I don't either. And the more that I see out of Tyrese and being able to shoulder a, at least a one, a role on offense, the more interested I would become in OG. Uh, I still think you need another ball handler, but if Tyrese is a legitimate 27 and seven kind of guy, then acquiring a secondary ball handler is a lot easier than a primary perimeter option. And someone like OG with the two way game that he has becomes more appealing, if anything. And I don't think that qualifies as taking the easy way out and building a super team. And if you can't take the assets that you just got for the, for James Harden and flip that into somebody that is at least a starter, a high level starter caliber, then what the heck are we even doing here? Like yeah. you've got the whole point is to take those assets and parlay it into making your team stronger. I'm going to flip flop on the OG versus, I don't want to say Levine specifically, but definitely like the Levine archetype, like more shot creator guy than three and D ish wing and OG. Although that's calling him just three and D is a little disrespectful to the OG's profile, I would say. But yeah, I think to your point, I think Maxi being this good makes you, think long and hard about the type of guy. And frankly, this will probably be a a whole show topic for another day. It might be, he might be good enough right now where you say, let's just roll the dice in free agency and not make a big trade. Like maybe you make a, a smaller upgrade somewhere else, but say we're not cashing in any of these firsts and we're going to go into the off season with the downward pressure from the CBA and say, we're, we're going to hoard those assets and maybe we just use them all at once and like on draft night, early free agency, 
sometime there, but that's we're a ways off from that. Yeah, I still think if, if Daryl has a chance to make an acquisition like that at the trade deadline, I think he does that because I think he feels much I more agree. confident in his ability to re-sign a guy than to lure him away in free agency. Uh, that being said, we have plenty of time. And I, I don't even still don't believe that Masai is going to end up trading one of those two, so we will see about that. We have a question from YTube. I was not expecting to hear this man's name today. YTube asks, what did you two think of Doug Collins as a coach? What was his greatest strength and weakness? Well, first of all, he was great to cover because he was liable to say any crazy thing <laughs> I did not get to cover Doug. So. And he also had good off-the-record conversations. And honestly, he's a good guy. Like, I had a chance to catch up with him pretty recently for a story I did um, on some former Sixers. And he's he's real good to work with. Like he's a real good. Not surprising considering the media career that he had. I was gonna um, say I loved him as an analyst yep. growing up. He was like one of the my favorites probably ever as a color commentator on games. That being said, did I necessarily love watching the Sixers play basketball under him? No. Like he was good in the fact that you know he got them committed defensively and got them to compete. The offense was as backwards 90s as you could get um they did a very good job of prioritizing turnovers at the expense of actually generating good offense um it was not fun to watch he didn't necessarily empower his young players all that much uh it was not sort of a forward-looking offense at all but they bought in defensively it's just that kind of hyper intensity had a short self shelf life which is why he never lasted more than three years as a coach anywhere yeah so that was that's kind of the book on doug right dating back to when he's coaching Michael and Scotty and those yeah. guys way back in the day is that the initial jolt that you got from him was good. He got guys to play hard and defend and he definitely had a year there. Where it's like, Holy crap, this is not Eddie Jordan. This is great. Yeah. Like yeah. he came in and he made an immediate difference for a Sixers team that frankly didn't have a lot going for it prior to him arriving. And then over time, you know, the honesty that Derek is talking about in pressers and all that, that ends up wearing on people. Like I, I think there's a difference between people say that they want the truth and they want brutal honesty. They don't always really mean that. They want honesty to a point. They don't right. want to be humiliated and embarrassed and dressed down. And that's one thing I think probably gets misunderstood about Doc, not to bring another coach into this, but Doc a lot of times in press conferences would eat shit specifically because he wasn't going to, you know, throw someone under the bus. Like and then he'd lose his patience and, of course, yeah. throw someone under I mean, the bus. I mean, he did half the season doing that with Ben Simmons. Where yes. How, like, appreciate him. How dare you not appreciate him? The all-time example yeah. of it is Tom Thibodeau, I don't know, has ever said maybe, like, five bad things about players that he's coaching but is notorious like when he's away from the cameras. He, you guys can hear his voice over the rim mics during a game. He's chewing people the hell out. So Doug did not take that approach. Doug was a constant like, I'm going to light your ass up if I don't think you're playing hard. I don't think Nick is quite in that category, but I'd say he's a little closer to that than the uh, the Tibbs yeah. School of uh, Media Management. He hasn't really had too many instances yet this year, though. Like no. That's mostly going back to he his was, Toronto Yeah, days. he was sick of – I think they were all sick of each other, and Toronto yeah. was kind of the problem there. Yeah. No, I mean, Doug was – he was a fine coach. He's not a coach I would have wanted necessarily leading a young team. He's not a coach I would have wanted to uh, lead you into the new era of the NBA, and I don't think he was necessarily a championship-winning coach, but I think he was, to use a word that we've used at various other points in the show, a floor raiser. Um, yes. And both good and bad to deal with. Like I said, he was 
off the record, he was real good uh, on press conferences. You never knew what you were going to get. He was helpful for stories, including stories that had nothing to do with his team. So I appreciate that as a media member from him. Um, but I also think he probably wore a, like, a lot of people probably became tired of him. Very uh, Scott Skilesy. Those two are, I, it's, I always think of them as like, yeah, you bring them in and they might give you a, your program a boost if you got a young up and coming yeah. team that needs to, and I hate saying this because I hated when Larry Brown said it, but like, play the right way like all that kind of stuff like just being a professional basketball team and then once you get to the point where you have to win and he's been around for a while it's like all right it's time to get the real dude in here now yep i agree Uh, honestly probably pretty similar to larry brown in many different ways yeah was for sure and i (laughs) i was about to say but then Doug didn't have as much talent, but he also did get to coach Michael, Michael Jordan, Jordan Scottie yeah. Pippen. <laughs> yeah. So that Actually, was not was, true early in his career. Was he uh, Was he there for Scotty? When did Scotty Pippen join? Yeah, because I think Phil's first year was not when they won the title. I think Phil was there. We're gonna the we're game. gonna really end this show by okay. He was there for Scotty Pippen's rookie year for his first two years. So he had Scotty for two years. Yeah, so he was he was there up until they won titles. Essentially, yeah. that's that's exactly what we're talking about. He got them to where they needed to go, and then you bring the real guy. In. Yep. All right, I think that's probably a good enough place to close this one out. We will be back here tomorrow night after the Sixers versus Pelicans game. Well, Embiid versus Zion. Yeah, mm-hmm. I said we were probably going to talk about the road trip we and preview it. We didn't get we ended to up that. Talking about Doug Collins and said, "Never know where our show is going to go." It happens. But uh, as always, I just want to say thank you to all the wonderful people here today. The dude, Dave, Tim, Brian, YTube, Chris. We had Ian Dickinson, Puppas from overseas. As always, my favorite new name that I've seen, Viking, Biking, and Hiking. That was <laughs> terrific. Amelia, Sharon, Spiral Out, who Spiral Out, I believe, said he just got his new maxi shirt from the sales we had over the weekend. So shout out to you, buddy, for being part of one of the several sales we had going on this weekend if you guys are still here and haven't subscribed to the channel or hit the bell icon to get notifications when our shows go live i'd really appreciate it if you do that i'd appreciate it even more if you also hit the thumbs up button on this video helps us and the rest of the team here out a great deal i will see derek and everybody else tomorrow night